Golden Knights getting ready for the Boston Bruins tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. How will Vegas neutralize one of the best top lines in hockey? How will Cody Glass and Nick Haig fit into the future lineups once everybody finally returns from injury? And how does the rest of the Pacific Division look, not named the Golden Knights and the Sharks, how are they doing after one week of hockey? Happy Monday, everybody. Locked on Golden Knights is back, and it's right now. everybody we are back it's a new week it's a monday everybody's got the monday blues but you know what we're here to kind of brighten your mood a little bit as you're getting through the work day or maybe by the time this goes up you're already done with work and you know what you're going home and you're relaxing and you're listening to locked on golden knights part of the locked on podcast network my name is danny webster your host Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And it feels good being here for a second week, which means nothing crash and burn over the weekend. So very happy about that. Uh, Once again, just want to remind everybody, please, if you're not already, uh, please leave a uh, please leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. If you are subscribed to it already, let us know how we're doing on this podcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts, what you want to see from the pod, please put it down in the comments below. All the feedback uh, is most certainly welcome. Uh, we are also, again, on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts. I'm running out of different names. I'm pretty sure there's another podcast feed or two that'll be creeping up in the woodworks in the next couple of days. But if you are subscribed there, or if you haven't subscribed there and this is your first time listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to be... Uh, be locked on, pun intended, to this podcast, and you get your daily fix of everything Vegas Golden Knights related, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So it's a brand new week. Uh, like I said, the Monday blues, people are just chugging away. I know it's probably been a long day for some already, but you know what? It's a brand new week, which means it's a brand new week of hockey for the Golden Knights, and it's a brand new opponent because, thank the Lord, this team does not have to play the San Jose Sharks. For a long time, and yes, I am talking about Tuesday's. Uh, I I would I guess you could call it a huge matchup. I mean, Gerard Gallant doesn't want to use the term measuring stick uh, this early in the season, but it is a big matchup. The Golden Knights will be taking on the Boston Bruins tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, puck drop, I believe, is at seven o'clock for tomorrow. Uh, it will be the first time the Golden Knights meet up with the reigning Eastern Conference champions uh, this season. Uh, it is, I believe, uh, I just had it and then my phone kind of glitched on me. Um, yes, it is 7 o'clock, puck drop, tomorrow at T-Mobile Arena, the Bruins come to town. And one of the things that I had mentioned, uh, I believe it was Saturday's pod, the Bruins have had Vegas's number for quite a little while now. And ever since Vegas defeated Boston in Malcolm Subban's first start back in year one, it really hasn't been very, uh, it hasn't been easy sledding for the Golden Knights against the Bruins. They've lost three in a row to Boston. And Boston pretty much 
well, Boston wiped the floor with them in Boston last year, and then the second meeting in Vegas went to a shootout before the Bruins eventually won. So this time around, Vegas meets up with Boston, but it is a completely different Vegas team than what we've seen against the Bruins uh, from years past, and that is going to be because of the additions of Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Well, Pacioretty did play against Boston last year, but we're seeing Stone Pacioretty on the same line, which is something we did not see last year. So this time around, Vegas really has a group of players that can go against one of the best top lines in all of hockey. And, of course, I'm talking about the line centered by Patrice Bergeron. And on one side, you have David Pasternak. The other side, you have Brad Marchand. And in order for Vegas to really kind of set the tone tomorrow, it is going to be based on two things. One, they need to come out early, and I think getting a goal in the first period is going to give them a lot of confidence. I think this is go- I think getting out to an early start with that home crowd behind you, there's going to be some Boston fans in attendance, maybe not as much as there used to be, but there's going to be Boston fans in attendance, and you know, visiting fans can get loud in that arena. For as well as Vegas has done on the home ice scale, there will be a noted presence of Bruins fans, I'm sure, going into tomorrow night. So Vegas, I think, needs to set the tone early. they got to come out playing hard on the forecheck. They've got to be really sound defensively. They cannot let uh, any, really any line from the Bruins uh, get in deep, get in front of the net, put a lot of traffic in front of Marc-Andre Fleury. If they can hold their ground and Vegas can come out strong and put a goal on the board early, I think that's going to do wonders for them. And if that happens, Marc-Andre Fleury is likely going to settle down and hopefully, well, for everybody's hope, hope that he has an easy night going against uh, the Bruins, even though it's probably not likely. But at least it'll be easy enough to where he can kind of settle in and play with a lead, which usually if you give Fleury a lead, he's going to play well. Uh, this And this is why I believe for the first time this year, we're going to be seeing Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, along with Cody Glass at center, be uh, be the first line off the ice or on the ice for Vegas tomorrow. It's it's obviously been the uh, the Carlson line for the first two games against San Jose, but I think this time, if you want to see uh, that top line in action, you're you're going to want to neutralize Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marsha and as much as you possibly can. And I think you want to put Selkie finalist against Selkie finalist, and I think that's going to be one hell of a matchup given. Uh, Stone's ability to play a solid 200-foot game, Pacioretty's ability to score from anywhere, and then Cody Glass's continued improvement. And this is really going to be a fun test for Glass to see how he fares going up against the Bergeron line. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting plots as the night goes on. How does Glass... He His play has elevated, do not get me wrong. Cody Glass has been excellent playing alongside Stone and Pacioretty. And that much for that much is certain. But really, we haven't seen Glass play against top-notch competition. And, I mean, it's hard to find better competition than going against really one of the best top lines in hockey. So how he responds going into tomorrow is going to be very key for Vegas. And I think it's going to be very key 
really for his uh, for his steady growth as we go along. So again, the keys I think are going to be get a goal early, kind of set the tone. If you can set the tone, you can make it a little, you can make life a little bit easier on Mark Andre Fleury, and then at the same time, you've kind of established some momentum, which is really how. Vegas dominated against San Jose in both games last week and how they can kind of get something going here against the Bruins on Tuesday. Uh, the Bruins are uh, coming off a victory at Arizona on Saturday, a one nothing victory. So the Bruins have had a, probably a little bit of time to stay and enjoy the Vegas weather and enjoy the Vegas scenery for a little bit uh, before they head to Colorado on Thursday. Vegas, meanwhile, will have a short trip at home here before they play the Coyotes on Thursday. So a very uh, a very fun matchup coming up with these two teams. It could be a potential Stanley Cup final preview. Again, three games into the season, I don't think anybody should be really doing that. But you know what? Uh, it's already been one kind of weird, unpredictable season already because you know who had a who had Tampa Bay losing twice already in the fashion that they have well unless you're you know watching from home and you've been observing the the lightning closely over the last few months you're probably not surprised but right now uh Vegas Boston potential Stanley Cup final preview uh coming up tomorrow at Team Overina again puck drop 7 o'clock at Team Overina away from the 7:30 that we've had for the last couple of uh last couple of games actually so again very good to be uh very good to be finally getting into a different opponent and we touched on Cody Glass earlier as far as um how him being in the lineup but how much longer will he be in the lineup especially when Cody Egan and Alex Tuck return and we're going to talk about that in a little bit but first we need to talk about something else and it's something that's not really easy to talk about for a lot of people. Uh, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Uh, usually, you know, guys just brush it off. And they blame we blame ourselves really for saying things like, you know, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm I'm just not feeling it. And you know, depending on your situation, it, it, something always comes up. Life always gets in the way, and. You know, things happen, but Roman is here to make it easy and make it easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, uh, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home, which is, which is really good. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. That's right, free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough thing to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started, getroman.com slash locked. So if you haven't been able to tell already, based on where I'm recording this, we are at City National Arena. We are rinkside from the practice facility. 
And uh, so, some people have gotten on the ice and have started uh, doing some practicing on their ice skating, so that's always fun. Uh, but we're going to keep it going, you know. It's, it's just good to be by the rink talking about hockey. So if you do hear a little bit of background noise, you know, I, it's totally fine. Uh, it's not going to really hinder our process here when it comes to talking about what our next topic here is, and that is going to be how do Cody Glass and Nick Haig fit into the lineup down the road when everybody returns from injury? Now, Cody Glass has obviously gotten a chance to step in, um, in for uh, the injured Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck. Uh, not really an update on Eakin going into tomorrow's game. So far as we know, he is still um, on injured reserve. There is no timetable for if he will be playing this week or however long it may be. Alex Tuck is also on injured reserve. He is week to week. So right now, Vegas is going to roll with what they've been doing for the last couple of games, and that's the uh, the Carlson line, the uh, glass line with Stone and Pacioretty. Stasny line with Puri and Zikov, and then the Nosek line with Carrier and Reeves. So nothing really new as far as the lines are concerned for tomorrow against Boston. Um, but it is something to think about as far as how do those two play into the future once, especially when Nate Schmidt comes back as well with him being week-to-week. Um who knows how many weeks that might be. It could be two, it could be three, forever long. And how does Nick Haig play into this? I think it's safe to say that Cody Glass has played his way to a... I, I think it's safe to say he's played his way to an everyday role. Um, it do, Again, it does help greatly that you're playing with uh, Stone and Pacioretty. At some point, you might want to look at putting Stasny back on there just to see how that line looks and I think it's I think it's worth exploring but I think Cody Glass has done enough to warrant himself an everyday role he just looks comfortable out there he's playing very well he does great things in the power play he's as as a net front presence on the power play it's not something I expected from Cody Glass but he's out there uh, taking the brunt of pucks and he's making plays in front of the net and he just he just looks confident out there and I and I don't know if that confidence will hinder if you send him back to the AHL, which obviously, of course, he's going to get more time, especially as your first-line center. Uh, as a power play guy, put him on the penalty kill. He's going to get that kind of experience. But I think right now, depending on how, how you feel about Eakin being your third-line center, I think, it's, I think it's very fair that you can keep glass on the line on the lineup somehow depending on how you do that, whether you move Eakin to fourth-line center or you or you uh, move Glass to the wing, which may not be a fair idea to do. But I think Cody Glass has done enough to where he's warranted an everyday role, and I think he's only going to get better um, as time goes on. Nick Haig's situation is a little bit different. And the only reason why I bring that up is because are you prepared to put Nick Haig on a third pairing full-time with either Derek Anglin or Nick Holden? And are you prepared to scratch one of Holden or Anglin? Which I don't think the masses will truly disagree with. I think if the majority had their option, they would put Holden or Anglin with Haig once uh, 
once Schmidt comes back and you're forced to have one of those two be as a healthy scratch with Jimmy Schultz up in the press box. So there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think we obviously need to see a little bit more of Nick Haig, and I think seeing him establish himself as an offensive presence from the blue line is going to definitely help him. I think when you get him going, and I t- kind of touched on this last week, if you get him going and get his confidence going to where he's not making too many mistakes on the blue line, and he's someone that you can rely on on the power play and you know make things happen as a zone entry kind of guy, then I think that Nick Haig will keep his uh, keep his role because I you can't keep the Holden England pairing for an entire year. I, I think if you want the best, you, your best bet is to either put Schultz or Haig in there. Right now, Haig has the edge because of his his uh, his long body, his uh, his long stick, his tall body, his long stick, I should say, and just his offensive prowess. And again, he's going to get better defensively. He was very solid on Saturday against San Jose in his NHL debut. Again, really didn't do much on the score sheet, but he made a lot of sound plays to where he made you go, okay, he's serviceable. And if he can become anything more than serviceable within the next couple of weeks, then I think it's going to be very hard to keep Haig out of the lineup. And then you have to make the decision, well, can you go ahead and move Holden to the bench? Can you move England to the bench? Is that something worth doing? So as far as those two go, I think it's fair to say that at least Glass has earned himself a chance to be an NHL regular. If it doesn't work, then you know, ship him off to AHL let, until the right situation arises. But I think Vegas has something going with him, Stone, and Pacioretty. And I think they've got something with Stasny on the third line. So the fourth line becomes very interesting. And I don't know if you want to keep Tomas Nosek out of the lineup as... He's one of your best penalty killers, and obviously him scoring two shorthanded or or one shorthanded goal and another goal on Saturday. No sex still has that ability, and you want him to be your main faceoff guy in the fourth line. So it's very difficult. Maybe you can move Eakin to the wing. Eakin played some wing in Dallas. I mean that that's still a possibility that can be had. But there there are a lot of possibilities between now and when they come back. I think it's just going to be very interesting to see what they do with Glass, especially when Tuck comes back. Because at least we know for sure, when Tuck comes back, and if he, because he's probably not going to be the first one, but I wouldn't mind seeing Stasny, Eakin, Tuck on the third line, Glass with Stone and Pacioretty, and then Nosek, Carrier, Reeves, and you could probably get away with putting Zekov and Peary as healthy scratches, even though Zekov's been fairly good in the preseason. And he's been really solid these last two games. That might be something that that people might need to look at as well. I think if uh, I think if you give Glass the chance to succeed, it's going to be on that line. And Stasny's good enough to make Tuck and Eakin both look good. And you have the flexibility with Tuck and Eakin, or with uh, Eakin and Stasny to put them both in the faceoff circle and and kind of intertwine them. So. That, that's, a, that's a suggestion that I don't think is going to get a lot of traction just because Eakin has is, is played mostly center. He's played some wing, but he's always been very effective at center. But it, it'll be something to keep an eye on going forward in the next couple of weeks. And, and I'm, like I mentioned last week, if the rookies keep playing well, it's going to be very hard to make any changes going into this lineup. So it's definitely been 
a fun week of hockey, to say the least. There are a lot of undefeated teams left. I'm not going to go ahead and count them because when I was looking at the standings, I lost count about seven or eight times, and it's probably a number under 10. So I'm not going to waste time trying to figure out how many undefeated teams left, but I can tell you there are three in the Pacific Division, one of them being the Vegas Golden Knights. The other two, they might surprise you. The the Anaheim Ducks, not the Anaheim Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks and the Edmonton Oilers. Cancel the season. This has already been one wacky ride because you also have the Flames at 1-1, one one, every other team in the Pacific Division, winless. So that kind of tells you the current state of the division right now, but Vegas obviously with two wins over San Jose in the back pocket. The Ducks are 2-0 and with one of those wins coming against the Sharks, and the Oilers have two wins under their belts. One of those wins was thanks to James Neal scoring twice. Former Golden Knights legend James Neal, I should add. Golden Knights legend James Neal with two goals for Edmonton the other night. The Oilers are 2-0. The Todd McClellan era is off to a fast start. Uh, But let's just see how it handles. I mean, goaltending is going to be huge down the stretch um, for Edmonton if they want to even keep pace with anybody in the Pacific, really. Um, but Vegas and Anaheim do not need to worry about goaltending because they have two of the best in the biz in Flurry and John Gibson uh, for the Ducks. Um, elsewhere in the Pacific Division, uh, again, we touch on the Sharks. They're 0-3 for the first time since 1993-94. So it's been 25 years. I was two years old the last time the Sharks lost the first three games of the season. And they've been outscored 12-3. to in three games. Again, the other loss to Anaheim on Saturday night was a 3-1 loss. Uh, the Coyotes are 0-2, the Phil Kessel era. Not off to a rousing start, but you can expect them to keep it going. Uh, they've been outscored 3-1 to in two games. So I don't think the goaltending is the issue. <laughs> uh, they lost one nothing to uh, Boston on Saturday. So I expect Arizona to kind of recover, re- regroup a little bit here and get off to a better... Uh, get off to a better start. The Canucks are 0-2. Their offense has kind of gone quiet a little bit. I haven't really expected that. And the Kings are 0-1 with one of those games, 0-1 with the one loss coming at the hands of the Edmonton Oilers. The 6-5 victory for the Kings on Saturday, I should say. So all in all, a very topsy-turvy start to the division, and I think you can totally blame uh, the schedule makers for putting Vegas against San Jose twice, and the fact that San Jose got clubbered twice uh, says a lot right now. The seven-goal differential for the Golden Knights in those two games, uh, by far and away the best in the league. Uh, The next closest, I believe... Actually, I don't even think there really is a close. I mean, Toronto is four, has scored 14 goals and allowed 10 as the, as the violins start playing here. We just got into a, a crazy orchestra concert here at City National Arena. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that 9-2, to two, by far and away the best differential in the league. Vegas right now with probably the top scoring defense and the top uh, scoring offense, or one of the top scoring offenses in the league and through only two games, so... A very interesting start to the division. Vegas plays three games this week. Um, Boston on Tuesday, obviously. Arizona Thursday. Calgary on Saturday. So another chance to get another uh, 
all-important eight points in the division for Vegas if they can uh, beat Arizona and Calgary this weekend. Uh, other than that, I think that's going to do it because as much as we like the concert here for all the music that's going on, I think, it, I think it's time to get out of here. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow's show. It's going to be a cross, kind of a cross-brand episode a little bit. We might talk a little bit more about the game, but we are mostly going to have a conversation with Ian McLaren, the host of Locked on Bruins, the Boston Bruins podcast, part of the network. Uh, we're going to be talking about the game tomorrow and just uh, maybe, maybe he feels the same way I do, that this, is, this could be a Stanley Cup final preview. Uh, so Ian will be on the show tomorrow. Uh, I will be on Ian's show tomorrow. And maybe all be all good uh, kumbaya type of deal. Um, but in any event, guys, that is going to be us for tomorrow. Uh, and that will do it for today. Uh, thanks again for listening. Again, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to leave us reviews, uh, leave us ratings. Every one of that, every bit of that helps. Every one bit. I can't talk today. It, it, it I can't talk every day. I don't know why they gave me a microphone. <laughs> but uh, in any event, um, that's going to do it for us, guys. Make sure you're subscribed on all your podcast feeds. We greatly appreciate all the support through week one. Uh, week two is going to be a little jam-packed with three more games. But uh, we're going to be here every day of the week breaking it down for you. So thanks again for tuning in. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Have a good one. <laughs>